Hello and welcome to episode 33 of the Musician's Journey podcast. We are listening to Satsiri Akal by Jodru. And before Kaspar introduces himself, I'll say that the titles of the songs in this episode are in the show notes. And so is a link to the website of Kaspar's teacher, Manish Pingo. I've also been asked to add that when it comes to drugs, it's important to follow local legislation, don't break the laws of the country you're in. I apologize for my bad use of the microphone in certain places of this episode, and the music you'll hear is by Yudru, Molly Coddle, and Desert Blues Suedois. My name is Kaspar. Um, and then it gets tricky. Like, where do I start? Yeah, next? yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I am a music creator and an, an enjoyer of music. And, you know, in the Kim Gashrash episode, you were talking about like the difficulty of saying that you're a musician. And I noticed myself <laughs> trying to avoid that. But let's go with that. I'm a musician. Uh, boom. Yeah. There, there it is. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> An enjoyer and creator of music, music, uh, a participator in the, the cosmic serenade, also known as a musician. Beautiful. Can you say something about how your musical journey began? Um, my musical journey began uh, with uh, early, early memory with me bouncing on these small little trampolines in my mother's apartment that you had when you were a kid. I think I was alone. I, I was quite young. I, I, in my memory, I'm five years old, but I also realized that, hmm, I wonder why I was alone in the apartment when I was five years old. Could be that she was just down picking up the laundry. Uh, though I don't remember the exact details, but I was listening to a song called Jag tror på kärleken by Robert Broberg. And I was so happy and I thought that song was so incredibly catchy and I was just jumping and dancing to it and it was like awakening so much feelings of happiness happiness in me you know so that's been my philosophy since I that's it means I believe in love and then I was a full-fledged musician (laughs) (laughs) yeah so I was really scared I think I didn't pick up an instrument until I was 18 then I started practicing guitar um I dabbled with singing uh, before that but I was you know I felt like I had potential but I was super scared that I might be wrong and that people would laugh at me so uh, it took a long time for me to come out as an actual you know actually wanting to sound good singer so I would do a lot of sort of half-hearted joke-like singing and I was just hoping to get the uh, the approval from somebody to get the permission where it says oh you're actually allowed to sing <laughs> you know but that doesn't happen people don't come up to you and say oh actually you should be singing for real you should like here's the document here's the I'll sign it right now here you go that doesn't happen no. um, so <laughs> I waited for that to happen for many years <laughs> Um, and then I started, I joined a choir when I uh, went to high school and that boosted my confidence a bit. Uh, it boosted it enough so that I uh, I dared to apply to a couple of 
folkhögskolor. I don't know how to translate that, but like musically themed uh, schools that were post high school. Yeah. But not university. And then I got into one of those, uh, Eslöv's folkhögskola. And Eslöv is uh, like sometimes jokingly, but also truthfully called the most boring city in Sweden. Uh. <laughs> but actually, that's not true. I met a lot of the funniest people I met in my life, I met in Eslöv. So that was a special time uh, in my life. Just one year when I studied, uh, it was called Rocklinjen. So I studied singing there and I wanted to be like a rock singer but actually uh, the the vocal teacher they had there was like classical singing so I did I sang a lot of musical sounds and I like I'd been I felt like rock singing was easier before that because it was my like more raw but you know I got a lot better at rock singing and I was also into like metal growling before that I got a lot better at that after practicing uh, classical singing. Hmm. And then later I've gotten into like various forms of throat singing. And that's really improved my classical singing. Hmm. So it's interesting. Right. Well, such a coincidence because last week and this week I'm doing Kim Godrodge's two-week voice activation chorus of videos so every day i get an email with a video and she's been really generous it's a decent amount every day something like 15 to 20 minutes and this weekend it was humming and feeling the vibrations around the whole body and that's that's pretty new to me i'm not really used to exploring my voice and sound in this mm. way but it seems like you're much more open and exploring than I am to just you're just embracing musical expressions and you're curious that is true um I, I don't know if I'm more curious uh, and expressive than you are like I I don't know you too well um but I would definitely describe myself as a curious and expressive person because you also play Indian slide guitar Yep, that's right. And probably other things as well. Yeah, so uh, going back to my musical journey. So I, I I consider myself to be a singer more than anything else. That Maybe maybe that's not true. Maybe I'm more of a songwriter than anything else, songwriter, mm. composer. But, you know, uh, my, my instrument is very much my voice. And then, yes, also I like to drum. Very little drumming uh, education. Just Just drumming what I like to drum. Um, but I started by playing guitar uh, when I was 18. That was the instrument I picked up, uh, learned a couple of chords and tried to, you know, accompany myself. And then I play a bit of piano. But yes, slide guitar is, is the most recent addition. Um, and I've taken it fairly seriously. Uh, I've taken mo- more lessons in slide guitar than anything else. I think, except perhaps singing, I think might have as many lessons with each instrument. And those, uh, I've always had this idea because I've always enjoyed various cultures and uh, music from various parts of the world that I would like to play an ethnic instrument. And I was kind of drawn to Indian music the reasons for that, I'm not entirely sure about. I think 
that I looked up to George Harrison. I think that's mm. partially con- contributed, but also they have pretty cool music. So I was into that. I also thought I was going to start playing the oud, like Arabian lute, but but somehow all those instruments fell a bit too far away from me uh, and the sitar and all of those. Uh, and then I listened a lot to one album called A Meeting by the River with uh, Ry Cooter and Vishwa Mohanbat. And they had a song there that was called Ganges Delta Blues. I, uh, I thought like, wow, this is like, Gate Delta Blues, but it's also a Ganges, so it's got that uh, worldly spiritual vibe as well. So that's like perfect fit. Um, and and uh, so Ry Cooter is playing a resonator guitar, uh, and then Vishwa Mohanbat was playing something. But you know, I just looked at the very small cover on Spotify, and uh, I, I thought, okay, I can see that there's an Indian guy, and I just assumed he's just playing the sitar or something some Indian instrument uh that's like uh you know greek letters to me or something i don't understand what those instruments are and then i listened a lot to that song and i thought it was so cool to mix uh slide guitar with uh, indian flavor and i uh, i i had a resonator guitar and i tried to like create i listened to that song and tried to recreate what i was hearing um and try to make it sound more Indian-like. And I added uh, like a tambura as a background. Uh, I, I played a lot of slide to the drones. If people don't know, that's when you have like one or two notes in the background that just stay the same. You don't switch the chords. Um, and I've always liked that, you know, just one chord or one note as a bass throughout the song. Something important about that. But uh, I, I played a lot of that kind of drone music and I was like, I wish I, you know, I could somehow deepen my relationship with this music, but how? And then just one day I, I realized that, wait, that Indian guy on the cover of that track that I love that I've been trying to play for like a year, he's actually not playing an Indian instrument and he's also not playing a regular guitar. It's like something in between. Wow, that's that's amazing. That's what I've been looking for. And then uh, I, I found the instrument. I found vendors online where I could get it. I looked for some teachers and find a teacher online, which is my current teacher. And he said that, you know, he could get an instrument for me and uh, he would get a good price and he would just send it over. But I didn't buy it from him because at that time he was a random Indian stranger at the internet and I didn't know if I could trust him. Mm-hmm. Um, so I bought it from a, a German uh, music shop. I think I probably would have gotten a better and cheaper instrument if I had trusted my current teacher. Um, but I like my instrument anyway. take lessons online or you found someone in Stockholm? Um, we take lessons online. Uh, I've had two two encounters with him because he travels and he, he visits Sweden. So we have had lessons together, uh, which is, of course, recommended. Um, but most of the lessons have been online, which is also really good because then I can record and mm. look at them yeah. afterwards. 
many times because the lesson is usually the formula is like he plays impossible things and I just sit and stare <laughs> and then I try to piece it together and then like after a few months I'm like okay I, I might be ready for a new lesson and then I'm blown away again it sounds like such a stereotypical uh, <laughs> master apprentice type of teaching that uh, I, I never experienced that properly myself. But it, it sounds uh, a little romantic in a way, mm. but I'm sure it's not that fun necessarily to be in it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know, and, and this is, you know, I, I, I remember feeling this during the music classes. For a long time, I, for some reason, uh, I often felt really stupid and I didn't trust myself when it came to music. Uh, I'm thinking like in ninth grade when I was 15 or so and really discouraged and scared. And to a certain extent, that may come back during the lessons, but, but it's different. What's nice about Indian classical music is that it's no chords. <laughs> Again, there's like just one drone. And there is uh, not a lot of, uh, what do you call it, polyphony going on. So it's like one note at the time. And there's always uh, the same key, mm. although the modes and scales may differ, which is comforting. Because <laughs> mm. then you can focus on what you, what you do within those boundaries. I don't have to worry about key changes or like what harmonies go well together. So I can just take a lot of the Western musical tradition baggage and throw it away and be like, no, some other lifetime. I'm just yeah. going to stick to one key, one note at a time. And then do you tune into exactly what you feel like expressing or do you feel that there is a certain pressure to sound like someone Indian? Um, that's an interesting question. Uh, like I released uh, a, a recording this summer, which was, you know, a live, a live take when I did my best to play a, an Indian classical piece. And then uh, we added tabla from a real uh, tabla player, a, f- a friend of mine, Niraj, Niraj Kumar is his name. And uh, that, that turned out really well and that was like a big milestone because all of a sudden like I have a video with me playing Indian music with Indian people uh, in a very Indian way and I think it's really good to practice that because you find yourself through trying to adopt some other uh, kind of expression because I will never be able to fully be an Indian person obviously because I'm not Uh, and I'm not necessarily interested in expressing and and embodying and just totally adopting their tradition and learning all about it and mastering it but through the art of mastering it I also master myself and I also acquire new tools that I can use for my own selfish needs of self-expression so I think that's an important point Uh, I think it's really good to learn stuff that's just hard bottom line it's it's hard and it's different so you really have to challenge yourself and expand your understanding of uh, what you think is possible 
And a lot of the times, uh, you know, I look at the recording of one of the videos and it's just the melodies are so different. There's different kind of sounds. It's not how I would have created a melody based on where I'm from, coming from. So it's just really hard to get it into my head. Uh, and it doesn't always start on the one. Sometimes it starts like on the 12th beat or the 10th beat in a 16-beat cycle. And it's like, why? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it's it's great because all of a sudden I, I have to practice listening to where I am in the beat on a wholly different level than if I was just to pick up like a Unity their song and just play it on guitar. And I, I, you know, I hear by ear automatically if it's right or not. But here I really need to be precise and make much finer distinctions. Yeah. What would you say to someone who feel like they have an interest in getting into this world, but they don't know where to start? Um, yeah, I was in that place uh, for a long time. I would say just wait. And uh, uh, what's helped me was to pick one instrument and sort of uh, go into that. And I'm not necessarily in favor of Indian culture and tradition, although it is very profound and cool, uh, over any other kind of tradition. Uh, but through like going somewhere and like really like, okay, it's Indian classical music now. Uh, all of a sudden that opens up another world of possibilities of uh, relating to other traditions in a different way than if I was still just being a random Swedish person playing random Swedish Western kind of music. So pick pick something. Uh, and as soon as you have an instrument, you're able to find a teacher. And as soon as you have your instrument and teacher, you can start, uh, you can just start doing it. Uh, and then uh, I think what's really helpful and important is to, to get co-musicians. I'm still struggling with that. Uh, technology helps. So, so like I said, I've done one collaboration so far. Uh, I definitely want to do more, but the best is to play with local musicians together live. And uh, this year you have started releasing some songs. Yeah. Or a couple of songs. Is this the beginning of something bigger or are you just impulsively putting something out? Yeah, that's what I'm trying to figure out. Um I have this project called Desert Blue Swedwa, which feels uh, like a super authentic mix of everything that I love put together. I get to write the songs, I get to sing, I get to add uh, my favorite musicians, musicians to the mix that I enjoy working with. Um, and uh, I also play slide guitar in that project. So uh, I try to see it as uh, music from the Swedish desert. That's what I call it. Vägga saker på en elgranvång Jag måste vägga saker på en elgranvång Elgranvång, elgranvång, elgranvång Elgranvång, elgranvång, elgranvång Jag måste 
Vishra Mohambat albums, uh, the person who created this uh, guitar that I'm playing. One of his sl- uh, albums that I listened to a lot. Also, I think before I re- realized what instrument it was, um, it was called Desert Slide. And I just really loved that title. It was like, mm-hmm. yeah, of course. Uh, I, you, you said it sounded romantic when I described my teacher relationship before. And I think I am very much a romantically guided person. I, I I get tricked and fooled and deceived by the, the romantic appeal of something. Mm. Um, so I don't remember what I was even talking about, but that song, <laughs> that's just <Yeah>. like, <laughs> it's good. Yes, right. So I really like uh, desert music. I think it's a cool concept. It's very raw. It's uh, There's a lot of guitar. And just combining that with like trying to write heartfelt, but also catchy songs that people can quickly relate to and dance to. That's what mm. I want to do. And just throw all of that together. That's super mm. cool and fun. And I've done two songs so far. I think I've done like three or more additional songs in my head. So uh, it's definitely going to be hard not to do more songs but it takes a lot of energy and time and bandwidth like when i'm in the songwriting process i have it uh, occupying my mental space almost continuously and then the quality of the rest of my life goes down so um uh, it's uh, you know i have to pick my battles i have to fight for the songs that are worth fighting for and, uh, and, and choose my time wisely um, and then I, I also have a band with my wife called Yoderu. We've released a couple of songs. Uh, we started as a very traditional mantra band, just playing mantras. And here I can also add that, you know, in a way it's simple music, but for my voice, the way I was used to singing, that was almost harder than anything else because it was all very like soft, repetitive singing in like a mid to high register where we wanted to have like this airy aesthetic with singing like and you know singing like that I really I lose air quickly and it's really hard to stay not not moving into falsetto but not also being too low in the voice register. Um, and that also helped my <laughs> throat singing and my rock singing mm. later on. So and this is also what I mean when I talk about, you know, like pick a culture and, and just go go far in one direction, because if you do that, you th- that will benefit all other kinds of things you're also attempting in unforeseeable ways. Mm. So that's highly recommendable. Just stretch yourself and do a bunch of, Thanks. Hmm. And these songs with your wife, are they also available to be listened to somewhere? Yeah, they're on Spotify as well. And we also have like a YouTube channel with some more of them. Uh, but the, we have some that are very properly recorded. You can find them on Spotify. Okay. Do you perform live as well? Um, that's always uh, ideal. Um, we have a yoga studio and we did a workshop there. 
where we played the song. Um, and then we've also had like uh, concerts at our house, like release parties where we invite our friends and we also perform. Um, it's quite a lot of preparation, especially if we want to have other musicians as well. But mm. it's super, it adds a lot. have another band with people that I met uh, in Eslöv and we we have a band called Molekodel. I, I lived in Skåne for many years. We released two albums during that time and then we released a few more tracks. Uh, the last one we re- released in the beginning of 2020 and I think you know we're always talking about there's always a pressure on me. There's like this messenger group we're writing each week and a common topic is like okay so when are we doing it again when Mm -hmm. is it gonna happen again Mm -hmm. and it it might happen again and when I say might I mean it will happen again (laughs) yeah asking about time because you have a family you have a job yeah. you have a yeah. yoga studio you have yeah. a lot of passion for music making and how do you prioritize so that you have the time <laughs> for what you need to have the time for yeah so here it, i think the, the the big confession here is that i don't prioritize i'm not uh, good at structuring i'm good at uh, i rely on I rely on habits and uh, efficient, supportive structures mm-hmm. that enable me to function to a certain capacity within regular life. But that's definitely uh, my biggest frustration. We exist in space, 
And that uh, creates a limitation because sometimes you want to go to non-space and it's really hard because you exist in a physical form. And then even if you go somewhere in physical space, at least I, I also want to go to five other places in physical space, but then time comes up as the next uh, constriction. Mm. And, uh, and also you can't, you can't play music without both space and time. Um, so, you know, in a way they're good because otherwise you wouldn't be able to appreciate music. <laughs> um, but, uh, to answer your question, um, I've been following my heart and I just like having instruments around. And then in the middle of something, I take a break and I sit down with an instrument and time disappears. Luckily, because that's what we want to get away from, right? At least me. I want to get away from space and time. If I play enough, then then uh, space also disappears to a certain extent at least. So then I lose space and time. That's what I've been trying to do all my life. And uh, And music is a very good tool for that. So I have instruments around so that you can just quickly pick them up whenever. That's also, I think, because I'm the reason I became a singer, because then I'm really free to just start singing on a walk or while I'm bicycling or now I'm always at home because I'm working from home. Uh, so, you know, I can just sing at home. But it's uh, it's a very convenient instrument for lazy people. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. I think there's something similar to piano. Yeah. And you play the cello, right? So that's yeah. like the opposite. It's a big thing you need to carry around. Yeah. I, some people, they hang the cello up on the wall. And then I guess it's really easy to take it up or down. I never uh, got into doing that. But my cello case is never so far away that it's a mission to get it out. But I think that's a good tip for people because because the phone is out all the time, the laptops are out all the time. So why not have an instrument more accessible if one wants to spend more time on that? Yeah. Um, and then uh, let's see, what else do I do? I like to write, I like post-its a lot. So I'll take a lot of post-its and then I write of thing I need to do at each post-it and then I put them all in front of me and I'm like, okay, I'm going to do this today. And I have 10 post-its and uh, I start chipping away at it. And by the end of the day, I have done maybe one of those post-its and then I realized, oh yeah, right. Time and space are limit <laughs> limiting me, but okay. And then I get upset and then, uh, you know, I, I put those post-its away and I completely forget about, about them for a couple of weeks. Then I look at them like four weeks later and I realized, Oh, I've actually done eight of these now. So I forgot about them, but they, they seem to matter because I did them. So that's good. That's, that's my system. So, you know, I would say that I'm a very relaxed person. I don't, I don't like to think a lot ahead because I'm lazy, but I do care about other people. So that is what, uh, motivates me to actually create systems in place that allow my life to function better systems like you know having <laughs> spreadsheets of, of spreadsheets and shit you know stuff like that having uh recurring reminders and meetings 
that have uh, that are based on different topics. For instance, for me and my wife to discuss certain things or same thing at work. Um, because uh, you're always living and working with other people and the way you conduct your life and conduct your music uh, all always has a, an impact on others. And if you care about those others, which I do, then that forces me to sort of conduct myself in a better way. So in a lot of ways, it's good that other people exist. I was very impressed when I heard Milligram Vogue. <laughs> so Milligram oh, thank you. Scales. Uh, did you get any positive or negative reaction to that song? <laughs> um, I got mostly positive reactions. I, I, when I made it, I didn't think too much about it. I just had this stupid, uh, I had this stupid song in my head for so long and I felt like I needed to record it to get it out. I was just walking around the streets. We were visiting Gothenburg and I was just walking around and in my head, I constantly heard, so, um, I, uh, you know, I was like, okay. Let's just record this. Yeah. And and I counted and, you know, I sing Milligram Vogue. I don't remember, but almost a hundred times in that song. Yeah. And and that's just, you know, that's if you count each Milligram Vogue. But then there are also multiple overdubs and, and harmonies. So I, I, I think I spent six hours recording the vocals to that song. Basically just standing in one room shouting Milligram Vogue in various different notes um and uh in a way it it was also a test because it was like i've always wanted to provoke with music and so far i've failed failed miserably (laughs) just whatever i do people don't really care or if they care they like it and they don't comment on it so i wanted to sort of do a, a controversial song I'm singing about measuring illegal things yeah. uh, on a milligram scale, and uh, if you if you if you listen carefully to the lyrics, I'm mentioning tryptamines. So it's about psychedelics, using them as a sacrament, which has been uh, not a huge part of my life in the sense that I've done it a lot. But it's been a huge part in my life in the sense that for those times that I've experienced that, it's had an incredible impact on the way I see life and in my own maturity, growth and healing. So I just uh, thought, like, I wonder if I can get away with this. (laughs) And we'll see. No hard repercussions so far. And then you also have a song called Hela Mei, All of, All of Me. Yeah. Um, and this song uh, uh, was, uh, it, it means a lot to me. I, uh, how should I describe the context for creating it? Uh, circumstances required, I can say this much, circumstances required that, <laughs> that I proved myself worthy of keeping my marriage and uh, I really needed to do something nice so 
so I had prepared like a little surprise for my wife. We were, we were still preparing the yoga studio and I had like put up the curtains and done quite a lot of work. Uh, and then I had also like prepared like a picnic and then I had also written that song. And then I like, uh, I announced uh, my lifelong co- commitment and dedication to our life and our love. So I put all of that in that song. And this was in the beginning of this year. And I, I originally, I had, I didn't know exactly where to take the song. I had ideas uh, that I wanted to do something that was more radio friendly uh, because the mus- music that I'd released so far up, up to that point had been either like very lo-fi, uh, uh, cheaply produced or uh, do-it-yourself production, like, rock vintage progressive kind of stuff weren't too easy on the ears for most people Mm. or you know i did the mantra music as well but that was also like not not something that you could hear when you turned on pietria so i wanted to do something closer to what people think about when they think about contemporary pop music um so the first draft of hela may was very like EDM, like electronic dance music. Um, but I didn't feel like I, I, I nailed it. And it was also too long. It was like six or seven minutes. <laughs> I, know. I, 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 I struggled to make songs short. The final version is five minutes, also mm. too long for like a melody festival. <laughs> but uh, anyway, so I had that song. Um, and then... Uh, I, I also thought of making like a really sparse, tasteful arrangement with like just piano and maybe a cello or something and mm-hmm. voice. Uh, but then I realized that, yeah, of course, Desert Blues, this is it. I'm going to make a cool desert pop song out of it. And uh, as soon as I started working with that idea in mind, things just fell together. And uh, I'm very happy with the end result. And then she got that as a birthday present.
Low Lane Records, your own label? Yeah, it's <laughs> so that I was mentioning um, uh, progressive music that wasn't as e easy on the ears. So that was that was the band Molly Coddle. And then me and the guitar player in Molly Coddle, Emil, we've made a couple of projects, uh, just the two of us. One of them, one of the first ones we did was called Low Lane. And we just had like gave ourselves a very short time to write and record four songs. And they are, uh, they're very, very noisy and unpleasant. I would say okay. they're very good. I like them. Um, but I, you know, I, I couldn't play them to most people without getting an apprehended response uh -huh. or something. So, uh, but then we felt like, yeah, of course, we love making music together. And he's also the person who, uh, he's like a sound technician by profession. So he's my go-to person when it comes to production of my songs. Uh, and he's produced and recorded uh, the latest release with Molecule as well. So now we put all of that under Low Lane Records. And then he also has uh, a band project called Sagenwald that I'm not involved in at all, also under Low Lane Records. But besides that, I'm I'm involved in all of the Low Lane Records projects. Yeah. How do you pronounce it again? Is mole molecule? Molecule. Molecule. It means to, to, it may, it's like a, a British word. It means to to pamper somebody. Uh, a, pa a person who has been pampered, uh, like a coddled person, somebody uh, whose parents just were too easy and tried to cover it up for this person too much. That, then you call that person a molly coddle. So it's molly, like the name molly, and then coddle with C-O-D-D-L-E. Molly coddle. And then yeah. this uh, third word in desert blues, how do you pronounce that? Desert blues, Suédois, and Suédois just means Sweden in French. Oh, I didn't even get that. That's yeah. how bad my my French is. Suédois. Yeah, that's fine. A lot of people didn't know. I thought it would be obvious, but it's all it's also kind of a joke because you know I'm not French, but but some African languages some some African languages are French. Yeah. No, that's the wrong way to say it. You speak French in certain part of Africa. That's what I meant to say. Yeah. Um, and it's also kind of stupid that it's French, even though the music or the lyrics are, don't have anything to do with France. And I like that. <laughs> and it's also like in Hela May, I sing, I use bad Swedish grammar. I sing, räcker inte till för du och jag. And it should be, räcker inte till för du och mig. Or I don't know what it even should be. Day or May, maybe. Yeah, there you go. So it's like, uh, but it's partially partially because it rhymes better that way. But also, I like to put those little things in because I think I try to be rebellious, and uh, I come from on my father's side a very literary. A, what do you say? A literary family. They they are like professors of literature and stuff, authors, translators, mm -hmm. language people. So this is my little, like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to sing do a yog. <laughs> uh, <laughs> do you have a third uh, single already planned? I'm I'm not sure what will be the next music recording project. 
um, uh, I would like to to make songs that facilitate healing and awakening in people uh, to the biggest possible degree. Uh, I want them to remember that they're uh, imagining all of this mm-hmm. and uh, that we're co-dreaming <laughs> this groundless uh, fabrication that we call uh, real life. And I don't know what the best way to do that is. <laughs> um, I, I've done like, I've hosted uh, sound healings this autumn uh, and sound meditations. That's a cool thing. Me and my wife will be doing some more workshops. And then, uh, and then I don't know, I, I, I'll make more music, but I would like to create a context for the music a container where it can truly deeply affect people. And I haven't found the sustainable uh, solution to that yet. I guess it's hard to not just preach for the choir. Exactly. Yes. Because lots of people are already really into uh, this expansion of one's sense of reality. But those who are not, well, maybe there is no point in even trying to reach them. I don't know. I don't know. It's going to be exciting to see what you come up with. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, I think, I think that's, that's the final message is, you know, stretching yourself as a musician, uh, learning various techniques and different ways of playing. I think it's something I try to do with myself as a human being as well. Like I get frustrated if I can't play the right scales or the right, uh, you know, the the right notes in a situation that could mean like expressing my feelings when I'm angry at somebody or something, you know, you need to prepare the vessel, prepare the instrument. You, you as a human, you're also an instrument. And uh, as you stretch yourself musically, you can also stretch yourself humanly and then transfer and transmit that to others. And that's what I know I want to do. That's what I'm going to do. And the way there, we'll see. Space and time leave you for a little while. Is music for you a place where you can feel free from constraints? Maybe this episode made you think about a different type of music making that can suit you better than what you have been working on and possibly struggled with. Today we can pick and choose whatever we want, whether it's related to rhythm or scales or timbre, electric, acoustic for a living or as a hobby or even both. 
I'm impressed by what Kasper has been doing, pursuing ideas and dreams that for many people remain only inside the imagination. Together with his wife, they have a website for Yuru where you can book them as musicians, listen to their podcast and their music. In the show notes, you can also find a link to my page on Coffee, where you can support this podcast if you are enjoying listening to it. Feel free to leave a comment on Instagram at the Musician's Journey Podcast or send me an email. Beautiful. I wish you all the best. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for making me feel thank you for making me feel like a rock star by all scenes of one of the interviews. By a very, very humble podcast. But still.